Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, it's fall, (laughs) y'all. Except for here in Southern Utah, it could still be summer. It's really hot here still. I think we're in the 90s still. I am wanting to wear sweaters and pull out all my pumpkin candles and make all the fall goodies. I actually did make apple pie the other day and it took so much longer than I thought it was going to. If you have any good dessert recipes, please share them. So my solo episodes have been on the subject of attachment styles, and I have saved the most difficult type for last. The most difficult of all the attachment styles is the disorganized attachment style. And it is often seen in people who have been physically, verbally, or sexually abused in their childhood. So this style develops when the child's parents or caregiver is a source of safety, but also becomes who the child fears. It's really hard to understand that the person who takes care of you is also who you fear. Have any of you ever experienced this? You know, one thing that came to my mind was Elizabeth Smart and her captors were feeding her and you know, making sure she had clothes and, I don't know, a tent to sleep in. But then she was also fearing what would happen to her every day. And so it would be something like that. The people who are essentially keeping you alive, you are also afraid of. In adulthood, people with this attachment style are extremely inconsistent in their behavior and they have a hard time trusting others. And you can see why, because sometimes I'm taken care of and then sometimes I have to fear you. People who have this disorganized attachment style often suffer from other mental health issues. So they might have substance abuse, depression, borderline personality disorder, But I do want to make it clear that millions of people get treated for substance abuse, depression, and borderline and can become unsymptomatic, meaning they don't have the symptoms of that disorder. So getting treated doesn't happen overnight, but it is possible with a lot of awareness and effort. And I also just want to say that when I went to school, the theory that was being taught was that the only time someone would have borderline was if they did suffer severe abuse or neglect and kind of fearing their caregivers. But now research is proving that idea is a myth. A child can come from a loving, nurturing, good home and still develop borderline personality disorder. So when we are born, we have these brains and personalities and tendencies that we're just born with. 
And if someone has a tendency towards being hyperbolic, which just means you experience high highs and low lows, then when a trauma happens as a teen or an adult or as a kid, borderline characteristics can be very apparent at that point. So I want to squash the myth that people with borderline always come from difficult homes. And I want to spread the good news that with treatment, and it's usually dialectical behavior therapy, someone with borderline can be asymptomatic. But it also could mean that someone with borderline did come from a difficult home. So I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying there are difficult homes out there and people come out without borderline. And then there are really pleasant, nurturing, consistent homes and kids will come out with borderline. So it's not an absolute, but it does happen. And obviously, if you have a tendency toward borderline and then you have a disorganized you know, kind of chaotic home and you're fearing a lot, then that borderline is going to be very apparent. So I just don't want one to think that they can't overcome borderline tendencies. And even if you have this disorganized attachment, you can overcome it or at least learn to work with it. I never want people to feel blame or shame. Okay. We're always just doing the best that we can with the knowledge that we have. Okay. So let's cover kind of what we've already just kind of in review because it's been a few weeks where let's review attachment styles for a second so as soon as a baby is born that baby bonds with his or her parents and for the first few years the baby is entirely dependent on them right so the parents are responsible for food shelter etc and as well as emotional the soothing the loving the caring and the needs If they are sensitive and attuned to those child's needs, the child builds a secure attachment with the caregivers, right? With the parents and feels safe. So that is what's going to create a secure attachment. And if you want to go back and listen to this secure attachment episode, please do. Because this child can learn that they can rely on and trust other people. And that creates this secure attachment and stable attachment. But in some cases, the child perceives that his or her needs are not met and that the parents are not emotionally available or responsive when they seek attention, affection, or support. And as a result, the child, it would seem like they're unable to form this secure bond. Now, our parents, and if you are a parent, then you know We can't be perfect parents and our parents were not perfect. So I know that there are times when you're going to say, you know, at this time in my life, when I went to my mom or dad about this, they just were not emotionally there for me. And that is going to happen. But we're talking more patterns than events. So I always like to separate, was this an event or was this a pattern? Did your parents have a pattern of doing this? And not to say that event can't be traumatic, but When we're talking about these attachment styles, our attachment styles come from a pattern of behavior and not just from one-time event. So oftentimes, though, when we do have insecure attachment, it just doesn't go away just because we grow up. Too bad, huh? So our early attachment experiences often shape our attachment styles as adults. And so the way we experience our first social bonds with our parents, determine 
well, at least they often determine the way we view and behave our relationships in the present. Sometimes I'll say to people, you know, what happens in the present is 10% about the present and 90% about the past and how their brain is wired and how they've experienced things in their past. So anyway, we've already talked about anxious, ambivalent attachment style, and we talked about avoidant dismissive, and then there's this disorganized or fearful avoidant. So you've got anxious, ambivalent, avoidant, dismissive, or disorganized, which is fearful avoidant. So now we're talking today about disorganized. So if a child perceives the parents as unpredictable or neglecting, the child might become overly clingy and needy and the child is lacking attention and starts working really hard to get that attention. And then later in life, that child or a teenager adult questions whether they are good enough, whether they are lovable or whether they are worthy. And then it develops into this low self-esteem and they need constant reassurance from their partners. So that is the anxious attachment style, okay? And they have this strong fear of abandonment and rejection. And then the next one we talked about was avoidant attachment. And this is when the child perceives that their emotional needs are rejected by the parents. So then the child just says, okay, I guess my parents aren't going to respond to me. So they learn to just not express their emotions openly or seek support because they are not going to receive anything anyway. So why would I open up? And then as time you know, as teenagers and as grownups, then they become really self-sufficient and independent. You know, I don't need to express them because people will reject them or make fun of me or not listen to me. And so that's the avoidant attachment style. But today we're talking about the disorganized attachment style. So the disorganized is considered the most difficult out of the three insecure attachment styles to treat because it incorporates both anxious and avoidance style. So the disorganized attachment style is where perceived fear is the central aspect. That's how it develops. The child seeks safety from parents or caregivers, but that same source of safety, also those parents become a source of fear. And so the caregivers or parents show high contrasting behavior, which is very inconsistent, unpredictable, and the child can start fearing for his or her own safety. And they don't know what to expect. I don't know if you're going to meet my needs, if at all. I don't know if I need to duck or, you know, you'll see kids in this situation like flinch when their parents raise their hand, you know, to maybe even give them a hug, but they have witnessed their hand being raised to hit them. And so they're like, are you hugging me or hitting me right now? I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. And so kids that grew up with parents who hit them, they kind of have to rely on them and they'll even stick up for them. And they'll, you know, it's not like they want them to go to jail or get in trouble, but also they are just so fearful of them. And it just puts a kid in a really hard position. And sometimes it's not necessarily that all of this happens to the kid themselves. It could be that the child has witnessed a traumatizing experience. So I've seen where kids, you know, have seen mom beat 
the other kid. And so they're feel fearful of their mom, even though their mom never beat them, but just witnessing it or their dad beating their mom. And so the, just the child, that's why we're all mandatory reporters in Utah. But if a child even witnesses abuse, it is abuse. I just want everyone to know that. If a child witnesses abuse, it is abuse. They don't just have to be on the receiving end of it. They could just be viewing it. Anyway, so if the parent abuses the child either verbally, physically, or sexually, or the child witnesses someone else being abused, either way, the child loses trust naturally in the parent and the child realizes that they cannot rely on that parent to meet their physical or emotional needs. And it might be even like, hey, dad beats me up, but mom doesn't stick up for me. So now I can't trust mom or dad. You know what I mean? So the parents who should be acting as a source of safety are not only, they're not only unreliable, but they are also causing so much fear. And remember when we talked about the parasympathetic and the nervous system, if our parasympathetic nervous systems are on high alert all the time, I mean, that is going to cause a lot of anxiety just in everyday life, right? And then if they can't trust their own caregivers, then they will and might have a hard time trusting other adults too who, sh- who they should be able to trust. And then sometimes, you might have seen this too, where kids will seek closeness and they'll want closeness, but they also might reject the closeness. So they'll want it, but they'll reject it because they are just fearing that they'll be rejected or be hurt. So as adults, what do relationships with disorganized adults look like? On one hand, that person with the disorganized attachment style, they want to belong and they want to love and they want to be loved. And then on the other hand, they are afraid to let anyone in. They have a strong fear that people who are closest to them will hurt them. So they might avoid getting too close or they'll get close, but then they'll sabotage their relationship because of the fear. They can even do this thing called testing where they'll test you on to see if you are trustworthy or whatever. But in that testing, it's kind of not a fair test sometimes. And you don't have a good chance of passing that test because you're a human being. And so that will prove them that they are right. I might give an example of that in a second. So a disorganized attachment style person wants more, but then they can ruin it for themselves. They are waiting for rejection, disappointment, and hurt to come because in their way of thinking how their brain is wired, it's just inevitable. This is what happens every time. Everyone does this to me. So this is why what we think is so important because if we think people are going to hurt us, then we are more likely to get hurt by people because we're going to be looking for it. We're going to be behaving in a way to be hurt. And so I can't stress that part enough that we have to, if you're in this disorganized it would be really important for you to get some therapy on this because the way that you think people are going to act, it's like you're predicting that way is going to happen. 
An adult will have trouble believing that their partner will love and support them as they are. They're waiting for the rejection. They're waiting for the disappointment. They're waiting for the hurt to come. And their perception, it's going to come. And so it forms into this self-sabotage. And then it causes the disorganized adult to either end the relationship prematurely or the other person will end it because they don't want to keep proving to you or to this disorganized person that they do love and care for you. It can be the self-fulfilling prophecy. The disorganized adult expects and predicts that they will be rejected by their partner, even when there might not be significant signs. And then they start behaving in a way that leads to fulfilling that expectation. And then it's the end of the relationship. And look, there it is again. See, I can't trust anyone. So they disorganize adults. It's so hard. They have a negative view of themselves and of others. And of course, with that, they have a higher risk of developing mental health issues such as substance abuse, delinquent, aggressive behavior, abuse on their own children. Again, it's not always that they grew up in this. But let's just say that I'll use the name Fred. Fred grew up in a home where he, his parents were not there for him physically or emotionally. And he kind of just took care of himself since he was like eight years old. And he was maybe passed around to older siblings and to aunts and uncles. And sometimes his mom and dad would be there, but sometimes they weren't. And definitely he saw abuse and also he saw abuse, he witnessed it, and he experienced it himself. So he grew up, got married, latched on to someone who he thought he could stay married to. And at any sign that she was not into him or attentive to him or giving him what he desired, then he would say, you don't love me. You're not taking care of me. And she's like, okay, well, let's talk about it or let's figure it out. Nope. I don't want to talk about it. You're the worst. You need to do this more. You need to do this more. How long do you think that can go on? When someone feels like they are giving everything, but the other person says that they're not doing enough, that can't last long, right? So there's just a little anecdotal story of how that might work out. So living with a disorganized attachment style is not easy. It's kind of like if you're playing a game that you just never really understand the rules of. You want to play with others, but no one taught you how. And when it's your turn, you make your move, but you never know what to expect afterwards. And you keep losing without really knowing why. You're very, you're not aware of why you keep losing. So there are ways to heal. And it is so important to do it for yourself and for your loved ones and eventually for the children that might come to be. A disorganized attachment style really can hurt and harm your relationships and lead you to lose someone that you really do want in your life. One of the key issues in people with disorganized attachment style is the fear, like I said before, is the fear that someone they trust is going to hurt them. And so then they think, well, I'm just not going to trust anyone. Sometimes that happens and they live alone. But simply avoiding proximity will not heal the trauma or the painful childhood experiences or the experience that you've had 
even if you had a great home life as a child, but maybe you had an experience as a teen or an adult. Pushing people away, not trusting them is not the way to go because you know deep down that you really do want connection and you want to be loved and to love. So the first thing that someone with this attachment style, disorganized attachment style needs to do is to learn to trust people. And I know that this sounds easy, but for someone with a disorganized attachment style, it is so challenging. It might require a psychotherapist or a psychologist, someone that you can trust and that will offer non-judgment. They're accepting, they're calm, they're predictable, and they have a space for you to open up. And another option is to consistently meditate. I just think if we're aware of our thoughts and then especially if you're journaling and using Byron Katie's for questions, you know, so this would be so important for someone who has disorganized attachment because you can, you know, you might have a thought that says my spouse doesn't love me. They never initiate sex or they never take me out on a date or something like that, right? If you think that and you have disorganized attachment, then you are just going to really think that's true, that you can't trust this person, and and then you kind of back away from them. But actually, what you really want more than anything is connection. So you have to ask yourself, is it true? And write down, like, I really think it is true. This is my proof. The second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? And if you can't absolutely know that it's true, and you can't, even though you might really think that it is, you're, you'd be better off asking your spouse if it is true. Hey, you didn't have sex with me last night. You said you were tired. And I'm wondering if you love me because in my head, I'm hearing that you don't love me. So I'm just checking in with you to find out if that's true. So then you ask your spouse, and of course, they're probably going to say, no, I do love you. I literally just was too tired last night. Okay, so then you don't know that was true. But then how do you react when you believe that thought? How do you act when you think your spouse doesn't love you? You punish them. You give them the silent treatment. You have a tantrum. I don't know whatever your tantrum looks like. Maybe you leave for a couple of days. Anyway, whatever you're doing is creating the exact thing that you were afraid of. So then you ask the fourth question, who would I be without this thought? If I just thought that my spouse loved me and they just were too tired last night to have sex or they were too tired to take out the garbage or whatever their request was, who would you be without thinking that they didn't love you and they are someone that you can trust? You would act totally different, right? That is one way that you, if you're not going to go to therapy, which I highly suggest you go to therapy, but if you're not going to go, that's something that you can do at home. If you have a disorganized attachment style, that would help you not be so disorganized and to gain trust because that's literally what you have to do is like start trusting people. There's also EMDR therapy, ART therapy. There's brain spotting, there's magnets that people use, TMS, ketamine. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. If you do have traumas, just make sure you go to a trauma-informed therapist. 
Okay, so let's say that you that it's your spouse who is the one who's disorganized. It's not you. What you want to do is you want to validate their feelings. The more invalidating you are to them, the more you're proving them right. So let them know that you understand by saying, well, not just by saying that you understand. Don't If someone tells you something, don't say, oh, I understand. Oh my gosh, that is fingers across the chalkboard for me. <laughs> do not say, I understand. Say, oh, so you felt really rejected when I told you that I was really tired last night. Is that what you're saying? And that really hurt your feelings? Man, yeah, I can see how you felt that way. That you want to validate their feelings. Okay. Don't just say, I understand, but validate by reflecting back. No buts. And another one is don't offer solutions. When we see our spouse in distress, we want to come to the rescue and fix it. But unless they explicitly ask. Most of the time they want to feel seen and heard, but they do not want to be told what to do. Right. And that's for probably all of us. The next one is to show empathy for people with disorganized attachment styles. They were not shown a lot of empathy growing up by you showing them empathy will help build that trust and will go a long ways. The other one is don't interrupt. When they're talking, if you interrupt an insecure, disorganized, attachment style person, it can cause them to feel like you think what you have to say is more important and will cause them to just shut down and get defensive. And again, this would probably be for a lot of us. And then say the truth. You don't have to walk on egg. I know you think you need to walk on eggshells with people with disorganized attachment styles, but you don't. Sometimes we think that our loved ones who have this insecure attachment can't handle things, but that's really us thinking that we can't handle their reaction. So trust that they deserve the truth and they are not fragile and they can handle things. Look at all that they've been through in their life. They can handle stuff and you can handle it too. You can handle their discomfort in hearing what you have to say. They are in charge of their discomfort and you are in charge of your discomfort, right? We want to be patient. We want to give them our full attention. Of course, maintaining eye contact. The biggest one is to co-regulate yourself. So someone with a disorganized attachment style, they might have a hard time regulating even their body, but for sure their thoughts and emotions. So you can help them regulate themselves if you are taking big breaths or just walking around or using grounding mantras. We're going to be okay. We can get through this. I'm so glad that we love each other. Let's take some big breaths here. Should we hold each other's hands while we're talking? You know, create a really safe environment. If you are talking about something that is uncomfortable, make sure that there's no distractions, that both of you are in a safe place to express yourselves fully. A core belief of mine that I will share forever and ever is that everyone is deserving of love and understanding. You don't have to earn that. It's just there for you. You are born worthy. You are born loved. And if someone doesn't love you, then that's about their capability, not about your lovability. 
And if someone doesn't love you the way that you want to be loved, again, that's about their capability, not about your lovability or your deservability. That being said, let me also say this. You can love someone and loving someone doesn't mean that you should be abused or manipulated or treated poorly or badly because that's not loving them or yourself. So in a marriage, let's say you are in an abusive marriage because they have this disorganized attachment style. You can love someone and divorce them. I know that's not a common, it's not a common sentiment. And I used to just be, no, save the marriage above all else. And most of the time I probably still am there, but you know, there are a lot of instances where it really is the best for both people to end the marriage, but they can still love each other and still show each other respect. And then in a parent-child relationship, you can love your parent and have limited interaction with them or and love your child, your grown adult child, and you might have to have limited interaction with them. That doesn't mean you're not loving them. That might mean that you're loving them more or that you're lo- you're taking care of yourself, but you can still show them that you love them in other ways if that needs to be. So what I'm saying is someone with a disorganized attachment style sometimes comes across as they can treat others really poorly. No one deserves to be treated poorly, including them. So we can grow our capability to understand and love someone with a disorganized attachment style and also offer to take them to their counseling session or you know, offer to read them books or to figure their stuff out, but also that you're not going to stand there and be treated poorly. Just know that whichever attachment style you have, your brain can learn different patterns and ways of thinking. And that includes like it, maybe you're in a secure attachment right now, but that doesn't mean that if something were to happen, that you could become an insecure attachment. It's less likely now that you're an adult, but it could happen. So our brains are very flexible, malleable, so they can learn different patterns. But that is good news because that also means that you can have more secure attachments. You can create that in your brain and have a more calm life, less chaotic life, have more trusting relationships, loving relationships, stable relationships. And so... That will end our attachment style, at least for right now. We could probably deep, deep dive into it. But I think I've given you a good general cover, which, because this isn't supposed to be therapy, right? This is a supplement to therapy. Please, everyone go to therapy. But what you could do is say, oh, gosh, I think I have an insecure attachment style. I actually listen to this podcast and I think I have anxious attachment or I think I have avoidant attachment or I think I have disorganized attachment or I'm secure, but my husband is avoidant or whatever. Take that to your therapist and that is a pathway for your therapy. It's like a way to get started. And that's what this podcast is supposed to be is just a supplement to help you take the things that you learn here to therapy and get whatever help you think you need and what I say is you deserve. So that is what I have for you today. I'm so glad that you were joining me. Go take a long drive up the canyon and look at those fall leaves. Really just embrace this fall time. I am just kind of teary that this 
as we're going into Thanksgiving and Christmas, this was kind of my last, last year was my last fall time with my dad. And now he's not here anymore. And at least he's not here in the human form that I knew. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm having all the feels. And I just want to say that if any of you are too, that's okay, because that just shows how much love we have for our loved ones. And so just really embrace the season and embrace your loved ones. And especially if someone has insecure attachment style, it's okay. You can love them and also know that if you are the one with insecure attachment, you can create a secure attachment. So have a great rest of the week and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.